Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look at the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt, and this is episode 411, and today we're talking all about Adventure of the Seas and the first cruises back in North America. Here we go. So I am recording this episode on a Royal Caribbean ship, on Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Sea, something that I'm not sure I thought was really going to happen as soon as it happened, even a couple months ago. Adventure of the Seas is the first Royal Caribbean cruise ship to restart operations from North America. She began her cruises on uh, June 12th, and we uh, had the opportunity to book two cruises in a row, uh, the first two sailings, hence why we didn't have an episode last week. I'm sorry about that, but I figured it was better to kind of have a full recap than split it up. I mean, I could have done that, obviously, and that would have gotten, you know, two weeks. But I I feel like I've, I've got a really good sense of it. And this will be a really interesting episode because next week's episode, spoiler alert, I'll be on uh, Freedom of the Seas to check out that. We'll have more on that later. So compare contrasting all that, you'll get that next week. But I wanted to give you a look at what it's like being on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship uh, that is sailing once again. Number one, it is amazing. It feels so good to be back on there. This is something that I knew was going to happen, but... Uh, you know, whether it was us coming on board the ship on the first day or others coming on board, either of these sailings, everyone on board, the, the, all the guests on board seem to have this really sense of, I can't believe it's actually happening because, as you all know, it's been so long since we've been able to go on a cruise together or at all. And, um, you know, the, after a while, I think a lot of us just had took this pessimistic view of, when will cruises actually begin? And we certainly had a couple of times along the way where I thought it might not happen, but anyway, it's here, it's real, and uh, honestly, I'm going to go through some of the big differences uh, on Adventure of the Seas compared to what it was like in 2019, but I'm going to tell you this off the bat. It's a lot more like it was before than different. I think a lot of people assumed or maybe thought that going back on a cruise in 21 is going to be like, you know, this lockdown experience, and I I can tell you, at least on Adventure of the Seas, it's nothing like that. There are obviously some noticeable differences, but there's so few and and minor that truly it feels more normal than not. And if you cruise before, I think you'll find it very, very welcoming, especially and, and similar, especially once you get on the ship. I think the biggest difference is obviously uh, the, the check-in process and the embarkation process. But really, once you're on the cruise ship, I, I got to be honest with you, it's very, very similar. So um, obviously, we flew to Nassau for this cruise, Adventure of the Seas, is sailing from Nassau, Bahamas, and she'll be sailing June, July, and August. I believe she actually goes all the way through, I, be, I think her last sailing is September 11th, if I'm not mistaken, um, but anyway, you've got an opportunity this summer to go on Adventure of the Seas, and uh, that's her season. Uh, I don't think they'll extend the season. I think by that point, cruises in the U.S. will be back in, in force, so I can't imagine they would. Of course, I don't know more than you guys do, so, you know, it is what it is, um, but um, you know, we flew to Nassau. It was pretty easy. We took a direct flight from Orlando. The flight is like 15 minutes long. I'm going to tell you this right now. Yes, my microphone did just change. And second of all, that you've got to fly in a day ahead of your time before the cruise. I get it. There's more costs associated with flying the same with coming in a day ahead of time because you have to pay for a hotel and all the vacation costs come with that. But I- I'm just here to tell you it is absolutely worth every penny of it because you're playing with fire, in my opinion. With these flights, I heard many people struggling with canceled flights, reroutes, people having to drive to different airports. It's not worth that that kind of hassle or or, or even the 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 issues like just mentally dealing with all of it, the anguish. Don't do it. 
book it ahead of time. That is definitely the way to go. But coming in was easy. Luckily, coming from Orlando, we had a very short flight. It was easy over here. Um, if you do everything ahead of time, it makes the experience of getting into the Bahamas very easy. The Bahamas doesn't have their own health requirements, and I think I talked about that in, in a previous episode. But make sure you do all the paperwork you can ahead of time. Have your health visa ready and printed out. Uh, at the airport, they're going to need to see it. It's just easier if you have a printout of that. Make sure you have done your online check-in for Royal Caribbean. If you have all the paperwork done, it is so much easier in terms of being able to really just make everything go smoothly. The more you do at home, the faster and better and easier your experience will be once you're ready to come in for the cruise. The check-in process occurs at the British Colonial Hilton, which is a hotel right off the main pier where the cruise ships dock. What's interesting is the the pier in NASA is actually under construction. NASA is completely redoing their entire pier area. They're going to redevelop the whole thing. Anyway, right now it's just a giant construction zone. So basically you go to the British Colonial Hilton at your check-in time. Yes, your check-in time matters. Royal Caribbean says that if you come in there too early, they're going to make you wait. Now you can't have the option, by the way, if you choose a you know, a later check-in time and you're just, well, what am I going to do in between kind of situation? You can drop off your luggage at any time and then go unencumbered around the island. Go and do some touristy stuff around the island, have lunch or go see some sites, whatever you do. So keep that in mind. But your check-in time actually matters. Now, my check-in experience is actually different than anyone who's going on a cruise, you know, tomorrow, as an example. And, and the reason being because when we checked in, you had to get an antigen test at the hotel, uh, that's no longer the case now. Everyone's getting a PCR test before they fly into the Bahamas, so uh, it's not quite the same thing. But the check-in was actually very smooth. I was very worried. I had this this vision of being outside on the pier with absolutely no shade, 500 degrees, my kids crying, and just like waiting in line. None of that happened. It was very, very easy. The uh, basically you walk into the hotel, they direct you where to go, you do your check-in process. It's you know they're doing this all in convention hall space, and assuming every once they process all the paperwork and do it, and again you do everything ahead of time. Make sure you check in via the Royal Caribbean app. Just do everything you can. Uh, it it goes very smoothly, and once you're all set, they put you on a small little bus to drive you down the pier over to the cruise ship, and then honestly from this point forward, it's pretty much the same as any cruise experience you've probably had either in the United States or elsewhere. Um, it was just very simple. You get on board the ship. Uh, of course, one of the major changes, of course, is the E-Muster. And, um, you know, that's really... So the way the E-Muster works, it's so easy, my goodness. All you have to do is at some point you'll get a notification in the Royal Caribbean app. You can start it. You have a time period to do so. Uh, basically, you have a number of hours on the first day to watch a video on your smartphone device. You can also do it via your stateroom television. And then you have to go to your stateroom muster... Sorry, to your muster station and tell them, okay, you know, here I am. They basically go over, the, they'll give you about a 30-second spiel of like, here's where you go in case of emergency, don't go here, do this, and you're done. That's it. They give you a sticker to indicate on your CPAS card that you're set to go. It's really easy. On the first two sailings, it seems like a lot of people did not really get the memo they have to do it. You know, this is just, you know, not everyone is as smart as all of you guys and listen to a wonderful podcast all about Royal Caribbean. <laughs> They're maybe not aware of it, perhaps, but... They had to do a number of announcements like they would start off like, hey, everybody, uh, if you haven't done also, you know, do your muster, do your e-muster to make sure you complete that because we got to do that. And then the messages would get progressively and progressively more stern, like everybody needs to do It wasn't quite like that, but the captain would come on once and it's just do it. Anyway, it's very, very easy. Um, 
For the sailing show in the Bahamas, Royal Caribbean is requiring that all guests who are 16 years old older be fully vaccinated, and that requirement will drop to 12 on August 1. Now, kids are allowed on board, uh, if they, obviously they're not of age, to be vaccinated, uh, but they will have to wear a face mask indoors. But for adults, uh, myself and, you know, my wife and all the other adults were all fully vaccinated to be on here. And the nice thing is we do not have to wear masks at all on board the ship. By the way, the kids can take off their masks when they're outdoors, whether like on the pool deck or at Coco Key, um, or while they're sitting and eating and drinking, right? So at the restaurants, just really traversing. But yes, they are wearing their masks in Adventure Ocean as an example. Uh, for the adult experience, I can tell you that it was really, it feels like being back on a cruise even before. That's probably the most noticeable thing uh, about this is that it doesn't feel like, you know, we're constantly having to change what the cruise experience is like. It is very similar to what it was before. And I, I got to say that it's really nice. Now, the crew members are wearing, wearing face masks. What's nice is they actually have a pin on their shirts that all show them a picture of them without their masks so you can see what they kind of look like without it. It's a neat little idea. I think that's a nice personal touch there. Uh, but the crew is wearing their face masks. You know, some of it indoors, I, I understand, even though the crew is, by the way, fully vaccinated, you know, there, this is kind of one of the examples of there's there's some protocols in place that I, I have to say they're a little bit of theater um, more than, than science. As an example, the crew members wear their face masks outside and a perfect day cookie, which is like I mean, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not here to, to tell you that I know anything more than anybody about science, but I'm pretty sure the outdoor rate of transmission is like next to nothing. But anyway, there's that. There's social distancing markers on the ship. So when you're waiting in line for some certain things, you've got a social distance. Uh, the elevators are supposed to be up to four people only, or your traveling group, obviously. Uh, but, you know, a lot of it is just not necessary. The social distancing stuff, there's only about a thousand people on both of the first two sailings. On a ship that can handle easily uh, 3,000, a little over 3,000 at, at double capacity, and like almost 4,000 at maximum capacity. So to have a ship that is only a third full is, it's a dream. I'm telling you this right now. If you want to have the best possible cruise experience with no lines, if, if you hate lines, you need to go on a cruise this summer on Adventure of the Seas before they start starting to increase the capacity because... You don't wait for anything. There's no waits for elevators. There's no lines at the Thrill Water Park at Perfect Day Cocoa Key. The water slides on board the ship, no lines. The Flow Rider, no lines. Dining room, no lines. I mean, it is incredible. It's spoiling. And I know that as soon as they start, you know, I'm going to look back on this and be like, remember we were on an adventure and there were no lines? It's, it's the little things you notice. Like, on board the ship, if you're on the Royal Promenade, if you're at the pool deck, you know, you'll, you'll see people around. It's not like it's a ghost town by any means. But you do notice the differences. That's, I think, the most important thing to really uh, take note of. Uh, by the way, the pool deck, you can roll out of your bed at 1 o'clock, go to the pool deck, and you will still get a chair at, by the pool. That's, again, it's those little things that really make a difference um, in terms of that. But um, it's really nice. Uh, the other notice, the noticeable change, the Windjamer is still active. They serve you instead of you serving yourself, which I think is actually better. It moves faster. I think there's less of this, like, you know, oops, this thing, this ladle fell off, or, you know, the, the, it just, it's a very efficient process. doesn't really slow things down. Um, when you get into the Windjamer, they do scan your CPAS card. There is a theoretical limit to the Windjammer. So that's why they're kind of taking numbers, and it's almost like my time dining, where there's a lot of people with reservations and a lot without. On my first sailings, there's been no need 
for an actual reservation. I asked the, the, the hostess over there, I said, have you guys actually like turned anyone away? And they said, no, for these sailings with like a thousand people on board, there's no point to it. So they don't have to do that. But it is a protocol that is in place, basically to make sure that if everybody on the ship decided to go to the Windermere for lunch at once, they would have to limit that. So you scan your CPAS card when you walk in, and then when you walk out, they scan it out so you know that obviously you've left, uh, so that way they have a you know entry and exit count kind of thing. And uh, but the other major difference, of course, is the Windjammer is closed for dinner. Um, I was told at one point that uh, right now we're about again like a third capacity. If we get to about 50 or 60 percent capacity, the dinner option will resume uh, for the Windjammer. You know, I'm not. I like going to the Windjammer once in you know, maybe one or two nights a cruise just to have it. Especially my kids. My kids, I think, miss it more than I do because we're usually in the dining room or in especially restaurant. But just like anything, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone, and then it's like there are little instances where it's like, ah, oh, it'd be great to go to the Windjammer, but you can't do that. So not the end of the world, but it does it does exist. That's the most important part because the buffet obviously was something people were worried was not going to be there. Uh, all the drink stations are full service, so whether it is a coffee machine in the Diamond Lounge or the free solid Coca-Cola machines on the promenade, there is a crew member there who uh, has, so that means there are limited hours, it's not 24 hours, but they're there and they will fill it for you, something else to keep in mind. Um, the, the other noticeable rule, especially dining, is that you can't sit with random people that aren't linked in your reservation. So if we were on the ship together, boy, wouldn't that be great, and we ran into each other and said, boy, person I've not seen before, I would like to have a meal with you. We would not be able to sit together uh, per the rules. The only way you can do that is if you link your reservations. If you're listening to this and you're traveling with your family, your friends, and you want to be able to dine together, make sure your travel agent links your reservations together. It's very easy to do, but just something to note because I actually ran into this problem. We wanted to have dinner with a friend and they were like, no, you can't do that because your reservations aren't linked. And I tried a couple times. I was like, oh, this is not my friend. This is my cousin. Yeah, uh, we need to have a reservations link. And they're like, you can't do it. That being said, uh, this rule I've seen applied and not applied already. Um, your mileage may vary kind of situation. Um, I, I can't tell you what to expect, but let me put it this way. Before your cruise, link your reservations with anybody you know is going on the ship, and you won't have a problem at all. So keep that in mind. And, of course, the, uh, the mustard drill, super easy. Uh, very, very, very nice. Uh, I, I love that. That's probably the best thing. Obviously, what's interesting about the mustard drill, by the way, Royal Caribbean was working on this before COVID, so this wasn't a thing they developed because of COVID. It was something that accelerated because of COVID. So it's a great cha great change. No one will miss the old mustard drill. Um, really nice. I think the most frustrating thing for us as a family was Adventure Ocean. Um, they do a great job. There's not on the not on the crew members at all. Um, but they're limiting hours. So there's limited capacity in Adventure Ocean, and the limited capacity is, I believe, right around 16 kids in a particular club, and even on our sailing, the first sailing was not a problem because there were just weren't a lot of kids or not a lot of kids taking advantage of. There are more children on our second sailing, and we actually can't get times, even when I'm recording this podcast, for the last two days of the cruise because we've maxed out our hours already. And unlike the nursery uh, situation pre-COVID where you could add more hours later on, they're holding the line there because there's simply a lot of demand. And it's, it's frustrating because... Obviously, my kids want to go there. I want them to go there. And we're so used to being able to just simply drop them off there. I, I kind of understand, especially because these are unvaccinated folks, right? These are children. And they want to maintain social distancing, not make it a thing. I, I, I understand that. If it's a little frustrating because, obviously, that's probably the most friction we've run into, I think, on this cruise. Um, 
it, it's something to keep in mind. So number one, you want to go up there on day one to make reservations uh, for your kids so you can lock in some times there, especially for the evening hours. That's the most, most in demand. And then obviously, depending on how many kids are on your sailing may or may not be a factor in terms of whether, again, my first sailing, no problem at all. Second sailing, we've run into this issue here. So um, something to keep in mind. Other changes on board the ship. There are QR codes for pretty much everything. There are paper menus. If you want a paper menu, just ask your waiter for one. They can provide one for you. There's actually a special type of paper, I've been told, that you know doesn't allow for contact uh, you know, transmission, so to speak, but I, whatever. Um, you can use your Royal Caribbean app and, use, and look at the menus there, or you can ask for a paper menu. It's noticeable change. Uh, by default, the app will be the option, but again, all you don't have to beg for them. You just say, can I get a paper menu, please? And they'll be happy to bring one for you, whether, again, it's the dining room or a specialty restaurant or even one of the bars there. So, And that is really the most noticeable changes. In the shore excursions, you can do whatever you want to do, in whether we went to Cozumel or Freeport. You know, Cozumel was pretty much the same. You have to wear your mask outdoors per Mexican law and in a place where it's extremely humid <laughs> and hot. That can be a challenge, but once, so the first week we went downtown and we had, we just, the weather was not great. So we're like, we're just gonna go down and have some food. I picked probably the worst possible Mexican restaurant ever. I mean, I could have gone to Applebee's at home and probably had a better Mexican food experience, but live and learn, I suppose. We also found a, this is more of a, um, this is a reminder for me when I can't remember the name of this in a year from now, but there was a great new coffee shop that opened on the main drag there in downtown San Miguel called uh, Ahora y Aquí, Here and Now, or that's actually, I did it backwards, Aquí Ahora, Here and Now, translated in English. Uh, there's lots of air conditioning. Uh, it's a great vibe in there. Have I mentioned they have lots of air conditioning and great coffee as well. And also there's, oh yes, I wrote a note here, there's air conditioning. So great spot there. Uh, for the second time we went there, we went to Paradise Beach. It was phenomenal. As soon as we got there, the servers were like, you can take off your masks now. The, the servers are wearing masks, but we don't have to. Anyway, um, and again, it looked remarkably similar. I think the most noticeable thing about Cozumel was that it wasn't different. I thought it was going to be a ghost town. I thought, like, three-quarters of the shops would be closed and, you know, there would be, like, barely anything to do because this is a place where for 15 months there have been no cruise ships. Their primary source of, I think it's their primary source of tourism. You know, there's been some tourism. But anyway, I assume all these places would be out of business because how can they survive? And they, I, I, from what I'm told, they basically all just shut shut it down, closed the doors, turned off the lights, and then came back like two weeks ago. So, uh, whatever. Um, so, there is plenty to do there, which is nice because obviously Royal Caribbean Shore excursions were pretty limited in terms of what you could do there. But we went to Paradise Beach. There were folks that went to Mr. Sancho's, went to Nachi, Kokom. I heard nothing but brave reviews of all of those. So, And for me at Paradise Beach, it was, it was great. And again, another benefit, just like on board the ship, there's no one in town. When you go to these places, you go to Nachi, you go to any of these beaches, you basically got the whole place to yourself. We were at Paradise Beach, and I think there might have been like, I'm going to say 30, maybe 40 people total in the entire place, whether it was the beach or the pool. Um, people are coming and going a little bit, but, you know, that's, if you've been to Cosmel before that, that's like what, that's the crowd at like 9 a.m. when they open, so very easy. Freeport... Man, Freeport, I, I feel so bad for, but it's, it, it, yeah. So Freeport, Grand Bahama, is a new port that you can go to. And Freeport, you know, there obviously this is an island that is trying to stand itself up as a tourism option, right? It's like, you know, everyone always thinks about Nassau, Bahamas, 
and now Freeport's trying to do something. Freeport, when you get into the port, is a very industrial port. Uh, it looks, I mean, there's just, when you get there, you look around, you'd be like, why are we here? <laughs> we can get off the ship, why? They have a little small port area. Almost everything was closed when we were there because, you know, again, we were the first visit uh, to the island. Uh, we've at, at the recording of this podcast, we've not yet got to Freeport on our second stop. So it's obviously a work in progress, to put it gently. There are things to do there. I heard not so great things about a lot of the things to do in Freeport. There's just not a lot of choices there. This is the same issue. It reminds me a lot of the uh, Falmouth, Jamaica, where Falmouth was a brand new cruise port that Royal Caribbean had helped build. And the problem when you build a new cruise port is outside the walls, there's nothing to do because it's not a traditional cruise area and people have to drive to get to places. The same is kind of true in Freeport. What we did here was we actually booked a day pass to the uh, Grand Lucayan Resort, which is the resort in Freeport that Royal Caribbean is rumored slash not rumored because it's kind of factual that they're going to be buying it to redo the whole area. In a number of years, I think it's going to be phenomenal. But for right now, it's really tough. And the reason why I, I kind of struggle with this is that I feel bad for the people here. My goodness, these people suffered so badly with, in, number one, they got hit by Hurricane Dorian. I mean, it flattened this island, including the, the Abaco is even worse. So they got hit, like, hurricanes are bad, but they got it really bad over here. And you may remember that Royal Caribbean did a lot of supply relief deliveries and all that to Freeport. So that's number one. Number two, they struggled with COVID over there. And, and we were talking to some of the locals there and the... Uh, you know, they, there were a lot of deaths as a result of it. And then number three, on top of all that, they are dealing with no cruise ships, no, no tourism. And so their economy is absolutely destroyed. And so your initial thought is like, well, geez, the least I can do is, you know, go buy a couple beers and have some time at the beach. But, man, it's, it's, a, it's a real catch-22. There's not enough to do there. And you want to go there, but you also don't want to be, this isn't charity work. I mean, you want to go and, you know, have a good time. You know, reasonably, you're not expecting five-star. I get that, but... Uh, I have yet to really find anything that I absolutely love. The Grand Lucayan was fine. Uh, we went there, and I think we were one of 10 people, maybe 20 at the most, and the resort. The first two hours, we didn't see anybody. Like, not another human being at the pool. They have a wonderful pool and a beach, and you can see the reviews of all this at RoyalCarminBlog.com. I did this in my Adventure of the Seas live blog. Um, and it was, it was a great spot. Um, and there was a pool bar that opened at 11, and that was great. We we had great food. It was great food. It was nice drinks and can't complain. It was just kind of weird. It's just, it's this resort that's like half shuttered. It's kind of, it needs to be gutted and redone at the very least, which obviously is part of what this, there's a long history of the Grand Lucayne. If you want to look it up and what's going on there, it's not pretty, but, um, you know, it was a nice day to spend the day. It's a little pricey for the all-inclusive option, especially when we're on the cruise ship and we have, we have the drink package. So, you know, there's that, but you know, it's not a bad, I would say that it's probably your best choice there if you want to go there. You book it through the hotels, not through Royal Caribbean. So um, there were companies that used to sell day passes like resortforaday.com. As of the recording, they're not available yet there, but you can call the resort and book it and just call the front desk and, and you say, hey, I'm coming here, here's my name, and they'll be able to book it for you. So they were taking that. I confirmed that when I was there. So yeah, Freeport's a tough one. I think a lot of people are going to be treating it like a sea day, and I, I get that. I just, you know, it, it just feels bad because you obviously want to support the people there, but um, it's a work in progress. I think they know that. Just keep that in mind with the tours. Be extra vigilant about what you book and make sure that you're, um, get as much information about what you're doing and where you're going to make sure it is going to meet your expectations because there were a lot of folks that just, I think, assumed, oh, it's a new port. Okay, well, we'll just book it through Royal because, you know, Royal generally does a good job with that. 
And I think some of the expectations were not quite met there. I didn't go on these. So again, this is third-hand knowledge, and you guys know how I feel about that, but I wanted to share that. But overall, you know, it's been phenomenal being back on a cruise ship. That's the most important thing. The crew, I think, are more excited than we are to be back on board, which is hard to believe. The There's so much excitement, enthusiasm among the crew members to have people back on board. And we're obviously back, and it, it feels so good being here again. Um, you know, I was... I think a lot of us were worried, what is, what is a cruise going to be like going forward? But this has been great. Now, this is an experience out of the Bahamas, and there are going to be different rules for cruises out of the United States. And as I mentioned, I'm going on Freedom of the Seas to experience that firsthand for the first sailing from the U.S. there on July 2nd. So I'll be able to compare and contrast, and I'm trying to keep it as bad, an open mind as possible. But right now, Adventure is at the bar really high because it's so easy and so... Similar, familiar, familiar is the right word. It's so familiar to what it used to be that I, I, I don't know how it will compare. But this, they, I, I think that my expectations have been exceeded on Adventure this season because not only is it a great ship, I've never been on Adventure before, but it doesn't matter. Um, it reminds me so much of what cruising used to be like that I really people ask about it. And I, I, you really have to struggle to find something that's truly different. And some of the protocols and changes they made here are minor. It is a little different for kids. They've got to wear their masks. Probably the most noticeable thing there. But my kids are used to it anyway because they were wearing their masks in school all day anyway. And, again, there's so many ways to escape that. Whether you go upstairs to the pool deck, you're at Coco Key. By the way, two days at Coco Key is amazing. It's the best thing ever. If there's ever an itinerary that offers you two days at Coco Key, book it. YOLO book that because it is so good. Um, it, oh, I, I love Coco Key so much. I mean... We're loving it, and being able to do four days and two weeks across the two sailings has been uh, nothing short of incredible. So, really love that. And, again, we'll have a nice look at uh, comparing adventure. And as ships start to restart from the U.S., whether it is out of Florida or Seattle or Galveston, you know, I, I think the bottom line is, number one, expect changes. No matter what we know today, there will be changes by the time you get on board your cruise. Even people sailing on Adventure of the Seas should expect changes in protocols and changes. A lot of that has to do with, you know, the changing requirements from the various governments, recommendations in the CDC, uh, different, you know, case numbers. And, and I think a lot of, especially if a cruise booked uh, later in the fall, even later in the summer, quite frankly, but the further out you go, the less likely your onboard experience will be exactly like it was here in June or even July for that matter. So something else to keep in mind, uh, especially if you've got cruises coming up in later fall, we're talking to somebody on board the ship about this, and they're like, well, I'm not sure I want to go on a cruise. You know, they were looking at some of the protocols uh, on Freedom of the Seas, and I was like, and they got a cruise in, you know, the fall, like November. I'm like, dude, here's what I would do. Wait it out, see what happens there. You can still cancel on a cruise with confidence and change your mind, so you're not really locked in, per se. Um, but you should absolutely not assume what we know today is going to be what we know later on. But uh, it, I got to tell you this. This is the bottom line. Being back on a cruise ship is as awesome as you remember it and if you've never been on a cruise before and you're checking out the podcast it is as good as i talked about it before uh obviously the industry shut down here on the podcast it's great it's amazing i love it and uh i, I i'm now you know would love to get back on here whether it's adventure or another ship like i, I want more of it. it it's so good to be back on board